Hello, everyone, and welcome to my show, Autumn is Here. I'm your host, Francine Crawford. Today, we're speaking to Patricia Morris. She is a retired head nurse, and she has worked in long-term care for 44 years. Welcome to the show, Patricia. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for taking the time to speak to us. Um, I'd like you to tell me just a little bit about yourself, about your career. Okay. Um, I actually went to high school for health professions and I became a licensed practical nurse um, after graduation. Um, after working in the field of nursing for approximately 10 years, I um, realized that I wanted to go further. So I went after I had gotten, went into college for nursing, but trans, but switched my major to psychology. And then I was doing uh, my graduate work in rehabilitation counseling. And then I realized that that was not what I wanted to do. And I went back to college and became a registered nurse. Uh, all this time I was working in long-term care and I continued to work in long-term care, even though I did stints in the hospital and in uh, acute care. But um, that was part time. But my full time work has always been in long term care. OK, OK. So long term care. What exactly is long term care? OK, there's usually um, two, well, three levels of care. There is acute care. That's when you're in the hospital and you're doing um, and you're being treated for some acute uh, condition. There's intermediate care where you're still in the hospital, but your condition is not acute, but you're not quite ready to go home. But long-term care is people who are expected to be in care for at least 60 days, uh, I'm sorry, 30 days or longer. Um, long-term care can be uh, short-term rehab where you're being, you're recovering from an injury a lot of times, if you spend any time in the hospital, uh, you lose your uh, ability to function. And in long term, in long term care, so you will be in in uh, short term rehab. Mm -hmm. But then a lot of times, once people complete short term rehab, they're no longer able to function on their own at home, even though they have met their highest level of function. That function does not allow them to work. I mean, to be in um, their home setting without extensive care. And oftentimes families cannot provide that care. So they have, um, you stay in for long term. Okay, okay. So my understanding is that you work with patients with dementia or Alzheimer's? For I, I did. Um, I was certified in... Uh, uh, dementia or Alzheimer's care. And I worked on an Alzheimer's unit with 40 patients. Um, that was my passion. I really like working with them. Um, and I did that for uh, maybe seven or eight years that I worked um, exclusively with along with Alzheimer's patients. Okay. Okay. So um, I'm sure working with 
seniors and, and with the disabilities and things like that, it's always challenging, but especially with people with dementia and Alzheimer's, what, what would be some of the challenges that you face with dealing with people specifically for dementia and Alzheimer's? Okay. Most people think that, oh, if I forget something, uh, if I forgot where I put my keys, or if I got I, I can't find my phone or something that it says, oh, I'm getting Alzheimer's, but Alzheimer's is much more um, debilitating than that because you may forget that where you put your keys, but when you find your keys, you know what your keys are for. And sometimes with uh, um, patients with Alzheimer's, they don't remember what a key is. Or uh, if they have a pen, they don't know what a pen is used for. Um, they don't know that when they when you place a fork in their hand that they're supposed to use that fork to eat. And sometimes in the late term Alzheimer's, they even forget how to eat, how to chew. And that's when they wind up with um, um, tubes, uh, tube feeding. A lot of people, you know, they says, oh, no, you got to put the tube in. But if that's their only means of getting nutrition, then you do what you have to do. That's a it's a hard decision to, to do that, to make that decision also. Yes. A lot of families had a, a very difficult time with that decision. Um, but unfortunately, it is a decision that a lot of families have to make. Even the decision of allowing your loved one to be in long-term care is very difficult because it's it's like you're giving up on the patient or you have un, unreal expecta expectations of what the patient can do or what they cannot do. I had one family who was very, uh, the daughter was very upset because the mother kept calling her by the other daughter's name. And she say, oh, she knows who I am. She's just doing that to be mean. Uh, I don't know why, you know, but she we could not impress upon her that this was not something that was being done deliberate. But that was just a, 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 one of the symptoms of Alzheimer's. A lot of times the patients will call their their uh, child by um, their sister or brother's name. Okay. Or or you know because they don't realize, you know, that that part of their brain is gone. Mm -hmm. Wow, wow. But as a nurse dealing with that, you deal with the patient and you also have to deal with their family. Yes. So how is that? How 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 is that being able to um deal with an Alzheimer's patient um with them not remembering or um Sometimes I'm sure they get agitated or frustrated, you know, are there certain tools that you use or certain things that you've learned to be able to deal with them? Okay. One of the things that um, we try to do with our Alzheimer's patient is to keep their environment as consistent as possible. Um, like we try to keep the same caregiver for them instead of having uh, a different, you know, aid take care of them every day. We try to be consistent in allowing the same aid to take care of that patient on the five days that they were at work. Um, we try to keep the routine. Mm -hmm. They get up in the morning, they, they do their, um, they have their, uh, ADLs taken care of. They have their meals. 
They go and they interact with other patients. And you just try to keep a, a simple routine and a consistent routine so that um, all of the, so that, so that their, um, well, basically there's no big changes because sometimes uh, big changes can cause a decline in their cognitive function. Okay, okay, okay. So when you, um, in the environment, do you see that there are people, I guess if they're there for a long period of time, Alzheimer's seems like it's a slow moving um, disease. Yes, Alzheimer's is. Um, you can have Alzheimer's and you stay at one level of functioning for years. And then um, you. some people have a slow decline, but some people will plateau at a certain level. And then once they... Um, something happens, there is a, uh, an illness or a fall or something, and all of a sudden, they, uh, their cognitive function drops significantly. Mm. And you don't know when it's occurring, but you just know that it has occurred. Mm -hmm. um, you don't know. Um, it's very difficult to figure out why the whys of it is just that, you know, you try to follow it and try to minimize um, all, you try to minimize the causes that you can minimize, the environmental part. Okay. Uh, and dealing with the families, what do you, do you suggest something for the families? Do you, is there programs for the family or something like that? Because they have to get, just like you're taught to deal with them. Um, do they get any kind of information, pamphlets, something that will help them to deal with them and to explain exactly what's going on? Um, at the facility that I worked at, um, the most recent facility that I worked at, we provided uh, the patient's family with information. We had um, monthly or quarterly meetings with um with the families to try to provide them with information about Alzheimer's and how it how to deal with it. Some families took the information and they were very helpful. Some families were in denial mm -hmm. uh, and they didn't want to hear it. They um, it's it's very difficult to see your family member change before your eyes. Some patients who were calm. Mild mannered, church going, you know, Bible carrying became, you know, they were, they lost their sense of inhibition and they'd walk down the hallway naked. They curse like a sailor. And this is some, you know, it's very difficult for family members to see their family member change. So you have to try to be gentle uh, and firm because um, you don't want them to. I won't say lash out, but um, be harsh with the family members, like the one I told you, um, mm -hmm. who uh, her daughter, her mother called her by the wrong name, and she would get very upset about that, and she'd lash out at her mom. But you know, there wasn't much that we could do about the mother's behavior, but you try to help the daughter to deal with it. There were also. Um, 
we would recommend um, that they seek out support groups or um, there was a very good book. I think it was called the, twin, the 36 hour day. Yes. yes. Um, the, and that was a very good book. And we would often recommend that one to um, the family members. Okay. And, and, and as a nurse, being in that unit for a long period of time, I'm seeing people um, come in at some level and then they uh, they 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 lose some of the some of their their thought processes and things and their functions. And as you see them in there, in there for a long time, deteriorate. How does that affect you? Like um, help me to understand a little bit about being a nurse in such a, a unit like that, how difficult that is. It was difficult. But in the in the same thing, in in the same way, it was uh, rewarding because um, you would see patients. I had one particular patient. She would sing all day. If you see her, she was singing and she was smiling and she was always happy. Um, before we realized how she was losing. Uh, that she was deteriorating when she couldn't remember the ne- the words to the songs anymore. Mm-hmm. And she used to walk all day and walk and sing and smile when she couldn't walk anymore. And she had become confined to a wheelchair. So, but even in that, there was a glimmer of hope because she would, if you start singing with her, she would try to sing the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, um, Patient who, one I particularly remember, she used to curse. If you came near her, she would curse and curse and curse and call you all kind of bumble plod and, and all of this stuff. But if you sat down and talked with her for a while, she would calm down okay. and she would carry on a decent conversation with you. So even in all of the 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 loss of memory and all of the thing that was still in your day, you was going to find at least one patient who was going to make you smile. Oh, okay. Okay. So what, what is your being in that field and, and um, dealing with Alzheimer's patients? Um, what is your, your, I'm just asking you if you have any insight or any, any hope for this particular situation and disease and, um, the care of patients like this. We know that there's no cure, but is there any anything that you want to say that you know is encouraging? Well, I know they have medications that are supposed to help. I don't know if they are actually helping or slowing down the progression of it. Or, um, but I'm hopeful that. That will they will find if not a cure, at least a cause. Because if you can figure out a cause, you can figure out a treatment, and a treatment um, would be such a, a um, it would be very good for for someone who is good dealing with it. I mean. I know that most people think that Alzheimer's is an old people disease, but right. it actually affects um, younger people. The youngest per- patient I dealt with, I think, was in his early 40s. He had been a 
a math teacher. And at the time that I met him, he could not even feed himself. And this was in his early 40s. He had teenage children. So his wife was dealing with him and his uh, issues and trying to raise teenagers. So I think I'm hopeful that if if nothing else, if they could find a cause and then work on a cure or a treatment. Okay, okay. So it's one thing. If you would, um, what would you say to caregivers or people in the family who are dealing with someone who um, they may not be in a, a long-term facility at this point, but they they have dementia or been diagnosed with it or they see some signs of it? What would you say to them? What advice would you give them? Get help because um, we're dealing with dementia is very difficult and it's, it's uh, wearing on you and on your um, and on your well-being. It is very difficult to try to deal. I know someone who had their mom and the mom would wander out of the house in the middle of the night while they're sleeping. Mm. She would get up and go out. Um, she, If they went to work, they had to lock her in the house to keep her from wandering, which was extremely dangerous. Mm. And it, you know, and I, I prayed every time they told me. Mm-hmm. And that they had to lock her in the house to keep her from wandering. I'm saying they took all of the knobs off the stove mm-hmm. um, to prevent her from cooking. So my thing is to get help. Um, if it's not long term care, then um, daycare or something, someone where someone can help you. Uh, because trying to go it on, on your own is very difficult, is very draining, and it can um cause you you can a a sick caregiver cannot take care of anyone so mm-hmm. you have to make sure you take care of yourself i think uh, when you're on the airline they tell you that if they lose cabin pressure to put your mask on before you try to help somebody else so you have to get help for yourself to make sure that you're able to help someone else Okay. Okay. That's great advice. That's great advice. Is there anything else that you would like to say? Maybe we missed or something? Well, while there's no cure, there's always hope. And we have to continue to be hopeful. We have to make sure that if you if you are someone or know someone who has um Uh, dealing with a parent or a relative with offer assistance as you know even if it's a minute you say I'll sit with them for the afternoon while you go and get your hair done or or get your nails done or run to the grocery store just offer assistance to someone and and that would be my thing is that don't just watch someone suffer Mm. to offer assistance as needed Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for giving us this information and thank you for, you know, working in, you know, a long-term facility like that with Alzheimer's. I know it's difficult, but like you said, there is hope and um, you were, it was rewarding to you. Yes, it was. 
Yeah. So I thank you so much for sharing that story and sharing this information. With, and I'm sure it will help somebody who is either caregiving or, you know, may possibly be a caregiver at some point. Something for people to think about now so they can prepare a little bit better. So, mm-hmm. OK, so thank you for being an autumn is here. OK, thank you. All right. Good night. Good night.